Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. And a good Monday morning, Birds fans. Thanks for hopping on right here at the start of Birds 365. Oh, we got a football week coming your way. It was a football week all last week, and now it truly is. From stem to stern, every single day, all Eagles, all football, all the time. Because, yes, we talk Birds 365, and we talk it the majority of the time here on Birds 365. But, yeah, they're going to have to play other teams in the National Football League, so we will check in with them from time to time. I check in with my co-host this morning, Jeff Kerr. How was your weekend, J.K.? Uh, pretty good, Jody. Uh, turned 33. Big birthday weekend for me. Uh, was pretty excited. You know, nice steak, nice trip yesterday. I'm good to go. <laughs> 33? Well, we know I'm not 33. And I'm pretty damn sure, uh, uh, buddy, oh, he was there for a minute and he disappeared. Uh, we're going to try and get John McMullen up again, the usual co-host of this show. Johnny Mac's going to hop on with us earlier, coming uh, up today and going forward. If the Eagles schedule sticks as it is, which is uh, the coach being available before practice, different than they did it in week number one, uh, Coach Sirianni would uh, hop in and uh, give the media guys their time after practice was over and done with, but they're flipping the script a little bit this week, and they're going to try and make Coach Sirianni early available. Uh, so Johnny Mack needs to get down there that much more uh, early and that much more quickly, which means he's going to join us earlier as he does right now. Uh, Jay Mack, you ready to rock? I am ready to rock. A uh, little Wi-Fi mistake again. I got to remember to turn that off uh, when I'm outside. It's a grind. It's about getting 1% better every day as Nick Sirianni. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, you sound too much like Nick Sirianni. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll forgive you that. On me. He's like Ted Lasso. Yeah, I got it. Do you watch that show, Kerr? Oh, my God. I love Ted Lasso. I could quote him all day. Oh, shoot. I got to start watching that because he mentioned that I had uh, Yogi Roth on my CBS show yesterday. He made a Ted Lasso uh, reference, so I guess I got to start watching. All right, forget Ted Lasso. Let's talk about Nick Sirianni. Week one, Jay Mack, hang with him both uh, after practice for your media sessions and watching him work the field. Has he lived up to what you thought he would be first week uh, running a training camp for the Birds? Yeah, I mean, he's as advertised. Uh, obviously, he's very energetic. It's not It's not an act. That's his personality. Uh, that's who he is, sort of 24-7 with cameras on, cameras off. Um, you know, everything's quick. Everything's fast-paced. A little bit reminiscent of Chip Kelly in that manner, uh, how practices are run. Very short, I, I mean, you know, our buddy Adam Kaplan, friend of the show, he said it's the shortest practice. He was there the other day, shortest training camp practice he's ever seen. Um, 75 minutes, uh, uh, basically, on Wednesday and Friday. Um, so it's interesting. I, I will say that uh, it, it's, it's, you know, he's very hands-on. Uh, obviously, He's uh, got a, a, a background coaching wide receivers. He's, he was a wide receiver in college. Um, 
He's been very hands-on with that position group, which is understandable because, look, they've been a disaster the, the last two years in the Doug Peterson regime. So they need to get better there. So he seems to be spending a lot of time. Now, my one concern about that is you're the head coach of the football team. you got to worry about other things. It can't be just about getting the receivers up to speed. So, you know, it's four days, and I think uh, he's – He's certainly not overwhelmed by everything. Anyone who thought that was going to happen, um, I don't think that was fair at the time. Uh, I certainly think he's proving it's not fair. John, one thing, when Nick Sirianni got hired, I was talking to a couple of people around the league, they said he's very hands-on, and you pointed that out, specifically with quarterbacks and wide receivers. How has he been uh, evaluating Jalen Hurts over these last couple of days? Yeah, the most interesting thing with Jalen, because we focused on the mechanics a lot, and, and Nick has said a, said a couple times, he doesn't worry uh, about the top half of his body. He doesn't worry about the throwing motion. Uh, certain guys are going to have uh, certain proclivities from that. You know, if you want to compare it to a shooting style in the NBA, uh, he, he's mainly focused on the bottom half and the footwork. So from the fundamentals, it was interesting. That's a lot of information. Typically, you don't get that from head coaches in this league. Um, so he's more worried about the footwork than anything else. And, yeah, we all knew, knew that would be a work in progress, and I think you've seen that. You know, I did my stock market for the first four practices. I'm going to do that on the off days. So you have the bulls, the bears, and the and the stagnant stocks, I like to call them, and you know, Jalen looks like the same guy he was last year. The you know, an intriguing playmaker, and you wonder if he can be NFL accurate. And I don't think we have that answer, but we're only, you know, four practices in. Now uh, I hear what you're saying about the coach giving you a breadth of information, which is different than you probably get from most coaches about his mechanics and uh, this, that, and the other thing. Here's what I judge: results. And I know it's just practice, but I know that you're keeping track and everybody's keeping track. How many balls are being caught? How many balls are being dropped? How many balls aren't even close? How many balls are being picked off? Hey, don't tell me about how he looks. and his Yeah, that's up to you guys. Uh, we're simpletons. We're fans. <laughs> we want to know what were the results. How have the results been for Jalen Hurts? Well, I, I think, you know, the first day was really bad from a, a percentage standpoint. And ever since then, it's been pretty good. I, I You know, all of this is contextual. I, I said, you know, that day one when I was talking to you guys, I mean, it was all red zone work. So it was kind of unfair because uh, it's all tight windows. It's all really difficult spaces to fit the football in. So it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Now, as you go on and, and people, some people like to count up, you know, how many throws he has and uh, how many completions he has. And um, I saw one at 70 something percent, uh, which is, you know, in theory, that sounds really good, especially when you're 52. But understand, if you're going to count seven on seven drills, you're supposed to complete those passes. Uh, you're you're supposed the joke with Sam Bradford constantly you know, he was so accurate, the ball never hit the ground in seven-on-sevens. I mean, that drill is designed for the offense. Um, so it, all of this is added into it. I will just say there are times where he throws strikes, and usually that happens when he locks on receivers. He's very accurate, 
very strong arm. The problem is he can't lock on receivers in this league. When he tends to move his head and he goes from side to side on the field, that's when you see the in- inaccuracy kind of pop up. John, one player I've been taking notice of that's been doing really well the first week is Steven Nelson, or Steve Nelson, as he likes to be called. Uh, how has he been the first week? Yeah, he's been great. I mean, you think about Monday. He was one of my guys, stock rising guys. I mean, he shows up on Monday. He's taken the first team reps on Wednesday, and he's been there uh, pretty much the entire time. Craig James kind of rotates in occasionally, uh, gets the first team rep here and there. Um, he's been really physical. Uh, and the impressive part about that to me, they haven't put the pads on yet. And he's like beating people up out there. Um, so, and, and I've said it, he, he's sort of like a domino effect in the fact that it enables you to put Avante Maddox in his natural position, or at least what the Eagles perceived his natural position to be, slot corner. Um, he obviously played outside in college at Pitt. But the point I'm trying to make about Avante is we're four years in with Avante Maddox. This is his fourth year. This is his contract year. He's never had a year where he just was able to sit in the slot and play there. He's had to play free safety. He's had to play outside corner. So I think if everybody stays healthy, that's going to help the defense. Um, and I think it helps the young receivers because Slay and Nelson are just killing them. And it, it looks bad on the practice field, but, you know, you're going to get better because you've got two guys who are making things really, really difficult for them. Um, and, and that's sort of where you get, you get better. You know, it's interesting. Nick Sirianni, uh, you know, we talk about competition. He grades every practice and he awards a winner, offense, defense. Defense is four and zero. Unless you're great. I was going to say you, you haven't you haven't had an offensive winner yet. You yeah. haven't had an offensive day, have you? Yeah. Unless you're you're overgrading some individual work. When it comes to team drills, you, I, I, it's four nothing. It's four nothing. That's pretty impressive from the defense. Is that the takeaway you should have if you're looking into eagle colored glasses? Of course it is. But uh, in honesty. Has the defense been that good every single day, or has the offense allowed the defense to dominate them and uh, have major issues to work through? Well, that's the question. I've been very – I asked that my that question myself. I've been very impressed with this defense. I think they look much better than I expected. But is that because they're much better than I expected or because the offense is that bad? That's sort of the what you're trying to figure <laughs> out. I will say days one and three were blowouts. Uh, two and four were a little bit closer. Um, yeah, I mean, they've been good. And 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 part of it, the defensive line is really good. I, looked, I, I think Josh Sweat has been the best player in camp, period. Um, so you add the depth there. They love Milton Williams. Uh, they're going to be talented and deep on the defensive line. We thought corner was going to be the worst position on this team. It, it's looking like... It, excellent you know you question the depth you always worry about injuries but if slay and nelson are out there you're going to be set um and then you worry about the linebackers a little bit but even davion taylor he's another guy now he sat out saturday and you know jody i i don't know if you heard me jeff but i've been saying my theory was throw that kid in the deep end of the pool see if he can play and they're doing it now he he tweaked his quad uh, and wasn't able to practice 
uh, Saturday, but he stayed a day, so it's not serious. Um, and he's he's been pretty good, and he's so much more athletic than any other linebacker they have. He mentioned he hits 20 or 21 on the GPS miles per hour as a linebacker. Tyreek Hill hits 22. That's how fast he is. Um, now, again, it, there's more to, to it than that. There's football IQ. There's instincts. We'll see. But if you think about Anthony Barr, if you think about Eric Kendricks, if you think about Darius Leonard, they want athleticism on the field, and he's athletic. So, John, this kind of brings me up to my next point, how good the cornerbacks have played outside Devonta Smith. Is there any wide receivers that have stood up over the last couple of days? No, it, you know, and, and by the way, Devonta is getting beat up as well. I mean, that's, you know, but I think that's good. I mean, there was one rep where Nelson just took him out of bounds uh, and they threw a flag, but I think it was to make Devonta feel better. Uh, so he's going to see some of this press coverage um, and some of this physicality. So that's where I say it's good um, that he's seeing it in camp. Uh, I think that's going to help him long term. You know, it's interesting. The best receiver, I think, in camp has been Michael Walker. And that's not a good thing, obviously. I, I mean, it's just really quick, more of a slot receiver, uh, good route runner. Everybody else, I mean, Jalen Rager, obviously, you guys know the issues there. Um, he's dealing with some personal things, and a uh, close friend of his died, uh, was actually murdered. So I, I don't think he was in the right headspace. He failed his conditioning test. So, I mean, that was, they were counting on him to take a big leap forward in year two. He, he, he finally got back into team drills on Saturday. So that was the first day. Um, everybody else has been eh, similar to Eagles wide receivers, as you would think about Eagles wide receivers. Yeah, which is not good, but uh, it is very early in camp. Uh, you mentioned uh, Davion Taylor and how he's playing. I've asked this to most of our guests here in the first couple of weeks. If one of last year's two mid-round draft picks were to step up, which one was going to be the one who was going to step in? And most everybody said uh, Kavon Wallace because he was in a bigger program, not a project-type player. He'd be able to step in and play. You're telling me Taylor's the one who's looking good. But also I've read and people have reported that Wallace has been pretty damn good too. So uh, maybe both of those Howie Roseman draft picks can contribute to the team this year. Yeah, I, I, I put Wallace in, in my story as well, but I had him more as a stagnant sock. He hasn't been bad. He's, just, he's gotten more first-team reps than Marcus Epps. So that's a positive as far as, you know, replacing Rodney McLeod in the short term. Obviously, the hope is Rodney will be there week one. If not, most likely Kayvon's gonna gonna uh, fill in. He hasn't made a lot of splash plays, but he hasn't made a lot of mistakes either, and that's not bad for a second year player. Um, so I, I think he can hold down the fort. What I will say is Taylor, Taylor's the classic boomer bus guy. I mean, he's got the much higher ceiling. I mean, the much higher ceiling if you're going to compare those two players. But nobody knows if he has the other stuff, and that's why they're trying to get him as many reps as possible. And hopefully he can get on the field quickly from this quad. Um, but, you know, 
if you think about it, you start thinking about those soft tissue injuries. I mean, his whole game is predicated on speed. So he needs to be, you know, Doug Peterson would, would always call it thoroughbreds. And those guys need to be 100% when it comes to hamstring, quad, groin, calf. Or, you know, they're not going to be nearly as effective. So maybe that's a bigger concern uh, than it is for, say, a savvy linebacker with a high football IQ. He needs to be at that top tier sort of physical ability. But I, I will say, if you're just talking purely ceiling, yeah, I mean, Davion's got a, got a much higher ceiling. John, I was trying to read between the lines a little bit Saturday when Nick spoke, and he had a lot of praise for joining my live. I, I mean, for a guy in a left tackle competition, he was trying to, I guess, I, I'm trying to think of the best word for it, uh, lighten up. Uh, Andre Dillard, you know, saying all the bumps and bruises, but Jordan Malata, he had plenty of good things to say about him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, it's funny to me because I know how GMs work, and it's more of, you know, I think Andre's going to get, every opportunity to win this job. And I've said that pretty much, Jody knows, pretty consistently. Uh, but it's more about the GM than anything else. Uh, it seems like everybody outside the NovaCare complex wants to give the job to Jordan. Um, I'm not sure that's where the Eagles are. I know everybody's focused on one-on-ones. I can tell, I've talked to Jeff Stoutland about this. He hates one-on-ones because, you know, I just talked about seven-on-sevens. One-on-ones for offensive, defensive linemen, that's really difficult for the offensive linemen. That's, you know, it's sort of expected. So when people say Derek Barnett had a great rep against Andre Dillard, it doesn't mean that much to Jeff Stoutman. That's what I'm saying. The pads are supposed to come on Tuesday unless they change something. Um, and, And that's also what Nick said. I mean, offensive line is one of those positions, probably the two... Uh, the other would be running back. You got to see the guys with the pads on. And if Andre uh, performs well or it's even, they're going to default to Andre Dillard. So it's sort of like an old school heavyweight boxing match. And and Andre's the champion. And George's got to knock him out or he's got to beat him pretty, pretty badly. Uh, if he's going to win this job, and then the second part, and this is kind Johnny, of let, let, let me hop, let me hop in there for a second. Um, Andre Dillard's the champion. Why? I know he was drafted pick. higher, but what yes. they've done on the field during their time in the National Football League, my lad has been a superior player. So is it purely because Howie Roseman used a first round draft pick on Andre Dillard that you would say he's the champion and my lad has to beat him? I'm going to I'm going to answer this by asking if you saw Jordan Hicks comments out in Arizona. I don't know if you saw them, but I did. Uh, after after the Cardinals drafted a linebacker in the first round, Steve Heim called him up and said, eh, there's no competition. He's going to be the starter. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I know how general managers are and they default to their draft picks because. Think about it. It's it's common sense. I mean, if they fail with too many draft picks, well, that looks badly on their record. And obviously, um, people joke that Howie can't get fired here because how close he can get fired. He fired Joe Banner. Joe Banner was as close to Jeffrey Lurie as anybody. Um, so ultimately, uh, they default. And it's not just Howie Roseman. It's every single 
general manager in this league defaults to its high draft picks. And what I mean by that is they give them opportunity after opportunity. And that's why I say you can win the job, but you have a very narrow path to win the job. And then the second part, Jody, I was going to say before is, and this is a little counterintuitive, but we know the NFL is that way at times. Jordan is a swing tackle, too. He can play the right side. So he shapes up better as a backup than Andre Dillard, who was a disaster on the right side, is a natural left tackle. I'm not saying it's right, but I think they're going to give every opportunity to Andre Dillard to win that job. So, in other words, he can lose it, but he, he's got the easier path. If Dillard does lose the job, though, do the Eagles move on? Do they try to trade him? Yeah, it's possible. It's an offensive line deficient league. I mean, they are deep. I, I think they could try to trade Matt Pryor, somebody like that. Not, you know, if you think about the Dennis Kelly trade, you know, maybe you get that didn't work out. Obviously, they got Doriel Green Beckham, but everybody's looking for offensive linemen in this league always. And the Eagles have a lot of them. And they're going to have to cut NFL level players. And you might, you might think Matt Pryor can't play, and he's probably not going to be able to make this roster. But if you know, Jeff, from covering this league as a whole, there ain't a lot of good offensive linemen in this league. And there are a lot of teams where Matt Pryor would be an upgrade for them. So that's one of the strengths of the Eagles. I mean, Sue Pettit, you're not going to get a lot. I'm talking late, you know, late day three picks. But in the case of Andre Dillard, yeah, I mean, they could, you know, somebody will look at that pedigree and say, remember during the draft process and how they graded him uh, and say, we can fix this guy. If they want to move him, they'll be able to move him. All right, John, I want to move it into the backfield for you. Uh, all the reports, yours included, uh, other guys out there covering the Eagles. I've said the Eagles have looked pretty good out of the running back position, beat either guys running the ball and or catching the ball out of the backfield. It's not just been Miles Sanders and the guys behind him. A whole bunch of guys have flashed so far. How deep does the Eagle running back position look to you right now? Yeah, it's pretty deep compared to where it was. Uh, Jordan Howard looks good. But that's one of those positions I, I said you got to you got to wait for the pads to go on. It's interesting because you know Jordan, uh, by the way, also is a physical runner, so that's not going to be an issue with him. I, I think the impressive part with him is that he looks like he's got a little juice, and even himself was questioning when he resigned with the Eagles. He questioned, I thought I was done. Uh, he wasn't getting any interest. Uh, and there were people around this league who just thought he had no gas left in the tank. So he's impressed me. Uh, they clearly want to get this, what they call 21 speed, this package with Miles Sanders and, and Kenny uh, Gainwell. They want to get that into the mix, at least on occasion. We'll see if that works out. Uh, you know, Kenny's a rookie. He struggled a little bit uh, with consistency. Huntley, this guy nobody talks about. He's he's the fastest guy they got. Um, he is just lightning. He's faster than Miles, I think. Um, but that he he's got a tough numbers game uh, facing him. Carry uh, on, Johnson. I think that the questions about him are are, are health related. 
Um, so we have to kind of wait on that. And then Boston Scott is just a guy everybody forgets. And, um, but he's just solid. You know, he's, he's not great, but he, he's, he's somebody you can count on. So ultimately, that's a position with a lot of competition after Miles Sanders. And it's going to be interesting. Are they just going to default to the younger guys? Uh, and move on from Jordan Howard, um, or are are they going to sort of default to players they they know that can do it, and that would be Howard and and Carry on Johnson, if they're healthy uh, and if they're capable of going. John, uh, there's one battle I it kind of went overlooked going into camp, but the number two QB battle between Joe Flacco and Nick Mullins. And I talked to a couple of people on the 49ers. They said that was a really good signing for the Eagles. And I actually liked Nick Mullins when he was out there. Uh, your thoughts on that battle so far? Yeah, I don't think it's a battle. I, I Joe got uh, significant money and, and promise that he's going to be the backup quarterback. And I, I think he's going to be the backup quarterback. I don't, I don't think either of them, you know, Nick is coming off elbow surgery. I, I think I'm with you. I know Jody doesn't agree with us, Jeff. I, I think he's a capable backup quarterback in this league. Uh, but he did have elbow surgery, and he doesn't look like he's 100% back when it comes to arm strength, which was probably never his strength as a player to begin with. Um, it, it, to me, it's going to be interesting. Do they keep three quarterbacks uh, on the 53? Or do they try to get Nick Mullins um, through waivers and 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 uh, or cut him and bring him back? I forget if he's vested or not. I forget how many years Nick has got. But if they try to get him on the practice squad, because now you have veterans uh, on the practice squad uh, because they're still going over the COVID rules. Now, the problem with that is if you try that route, you see what's going on in Minnesota right. with with these with these. Uh, COVID protocols, they're essentially almost their whole quarterback room got shut down. So somebody like Nick Mullins might be plucked up pretty quickly if if you don't give him a roster spot. I was going to say, better chance the Eagles have done this before, and this is pre-Howie uh, and, and Howie, uh, turning uh, quarterbacks into some kind of asset. Uh, be it a late day three pick, as you described a couple other guys like the Eagle backup offensive lineman, it could be used as trade chips. Not big trades, but the minor trades. Could Nick Mullins be a guy who, if the Eagles make him available, a team would say, hey, yeah, he's actually better than our backup. Uh, if we can get our backup quarterback for a six or a seven, why don't we go ahead and do it? Yeah, I mean, if he plays well in the preseason, yeah, that could happen. But you got you, you also have to worry about that same situation happening to you. And you're, I, I don't know if I want to go into a modern NFL season with only two quarterbacks. You have to have somebody on the practice squad. You might have to have two on the practice squad uh, just in case. Um, so I, I'm not sure they want to do that. But, yeah, they could do it, especially if he plays well in the preseason. Uh, then, then, they, let me, then let me ask you, John, who is that guy? We, we, you and I saw it the same way as uh, we're going through the draft and the time after, oh, they got to build, they got to have a practice squad quarterback. Who is he? If you don't think Mullins is going to get through waivers and you can't put him on the practice squad, and oh, by the way, he'd have to choose you to be on their, your practice squad to begin with, which he may see better opportunities elsewhere and choose someone else. Uh, who is this guy? When, when are they actually going to bring well, in that's... somebody who looks like a practice squad quarterback? 
Well, remember, everybody else is going to be paring down as well. So obviously they have, you know, they'll have people, maybe they like them in the draft, maybe they're younger quarterbacks. But the larger point there, Jody, and why I brought it up is I think they're keeping Nick on the 53. I, I think they're going to keep three quarterbacks on the 53 for that reason, uh, because they're going to be concerned. And remember, I think people forget, you know, the game day rosters, you got to have inactive players anyway. So they act like, oh, you need that roster spot. Really? No, you don't. Uh, they're not up on game days anyway. So I, I don't see the problem with keeping three quarterbacks. Now, if it is a young guy, if it is a more developmental prospect that you know you can get through waivers and there's not any any concern over it, then yeah. But in, in Mullins's case, I just keep him on the back end of the roster. And in defense of Nick Sirianni, when he was in Indianapolis outside of the starting quarterback, they didn't really have much where it was Andrew Luck or when Jacoby Brissett was eventually the starter, they didn't have anybody. And, you know, this year they really don't have anybody with Nick Sirianni's not there. But after Carson Wentz, it's, you know, you could pick the Colts quarterback out of a hat. Oh, yeah. And, and I was going to say, be careful. You know, I'm a Jacob Eason fan. I think Jacob Eason could step in, play well, and all of a sudden, Carson Wentz with competition. Oh, my God, he loses his mind in Indianapolis. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, the bigger thing with Indianapolis is the fact that Nick had to go through so many different quarterbacks over the, his, his years there. You know, starting with Andrew Luck's sudden retirement and going to Jacoby Brissett. That's one of the reasons he's here. And then Phillip Rivers, because you had, you had these three different style quarterbacks. And the Colts' offense was always at least competent, probably the low side with, with Jacoby Brissett, up to really good at times. Um, and and a, a lot of people looked at that and said, um, you know, it's pretty impressive that you can morph your offense around a different style quarterback and still put out a pretty good product each year. Um you know, whether it works or not, we'll see. And a lot of people said, you know, why is Joe Flacco your backup quarterback when he's a completely different style quarterback than Jalen Hurts? And that's what Nick says. I mean, you just roll with the punches and you you work around what your your quarterback on that particular game day does well. John, last thing, uh, and this is something I think we're going to be watching all year long. Uh, if the answer is one thing today, it could be different. Two weeks from now, could be different in season. Who's the defensive leader of this team? And I'm not talking about Gannon. I'm talking about on the field. Uh, that's a good question. Typically, you know, you think about uh, middle linebacker and you think about safety. Uh, so when Rodney McLeod is healthy, it'll probably be him in the back seven. Until then, it'll probably be Anthony Harris. Linebacker is up in the air. I think a lot of people uh, think about Eric Wilson. I mean, he's he's been on the second team. So I don't know how much he's been impressing. Now, he's taken plenty of first team reps, but they're rotating. I thought he'd be in there and never leave the field with the first team. That hasn't been the case. I do think he will call all the defense if he's out there. Ultimately, I think he wins the job. So on the field, I would default to him. Um, you know, in the locker room, it's going to be, you know, one of the defensive linemen, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, those guys. So, uh, but on the field, it has to be the guy calling signals and, 
look, the Eagles have an issue with linebacker. There's no question about that. Although they keep winning the day, according to Coach Nick Sirianni. Let's see if the offense can actually get a win today. JM, good stuff always. Uh, we'll get you up first thing in the show tomorrow. Uh, head on down to camp. Thanks for getting on with us today. All right. Thank you, guys. Johnny Mac, John McMullen here with us on Birds 365. Jeff Kerr filling in for him as the host of the show. Come back. I'll chop, uh, chop it up with Jeff a little bit. We got our buddy, uh, Barry Brooks, to join us a little bit later in the show. Uh, we're rolling along as week two of training camp gets underway today here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Monday edition of Birds 365. 
Jody McDonald in with my partner for a good couple of weeks while training camp is running. Jeff Kerr uh, joining me. Uh, thanks to Johnny Mack for hopping on before he heads down to Eagle practice. And Jeff, it never fails every time uh, I get a guest on. No no sooner do I, we sign off with them that I check something that I wrote down on my notes for the show. And I go, damn it, I meant to ask that question. And I didn't to McMullen. So I'm going to ask you instead. Um, Friday, and we did our show early on Friday and had practice on Friday. Little did we know that veterans, selected veterans, were going to get the day off. Excuse me? Didn't camp just start? They're giving guys days off already three days in? Really? Uh, I wanted to get John's take on that, so instead I'll get yours. I I understand you're you're never going to get critiqued by it by the veterans that you're giving the day off to. It's too early in camp for the young guys to go, wait a minute, why are they getting days off? We got to come out here and sweat in this 90-degree heat. So it's it's at least in your uh, little circle of family of the team, it's not something you're going to uh, have to worry about or get questioned on. But idiot members of the media like me, and maybe you, uh, are going to sit here and go, well, wait a minute, you're already giving guys days off? Did that rub you the wrong way when you found out that a bunch of veterans were told, yeah, day three of practice, you guys don't have to work? Uh, it was kind of a surprise so early because they're only in shells and shorts. I'm like, wait a minute, these guys are getting days off already or guys hurt. And, you know, I kind of like that he's doing this just because I think the Eagles have had so many injury issues the last two years. And it's clear Nick Seriani really did some homework into this of all the injuries Eagles have had. If you go on football outsiders, I think they've been the most injured team in the league the last two years, if not the top three. So I think Nick Sirianni is looking at it as, okay, let's avoid these soft tissue injuries that have been plaguing this football team for years, and how are we going to do that? Well, let's give Jason Kelsey a day here, or let's give Lane Johnson a day, Brandon Graham a day. And I think he's looking at it, it's going to benefit them in the long run. My concern is, is he going to be doing this early in the preseason too when these guys need some of these game reps? And, yeah, you know what, Uh, you guys have been through the grain before. You need a day off or – you know, we're not going to play you that much in the preseason. That's what's a little concerning to me. I'm not concerned about the offensive line or defensive line, but what about the Amy Harris's of the world or the Darius Slays who I feel could use some actual game reps in that defense? I agree with you. And the one thing that's good about Nick Sirianni being a first-time coach, there's a couple things, but there are also some downsides to him being a first-time coach. He's not set in his ways as per pre, uh, preseason. He was as a positional coach, but uh, he, he's never been a head coach before. So if there was a certain way that you did it each and every single preseason and you got uh, used to doing it that way, then you'd have to change. Well, there's no change involved here. This is first time for Nick Sirianni and the Eagles with him as their head coach. So whatever he decides to do, however he decides to do it, it won't be a change from something different. It might be different from what Doug used to do, but you're down to three preseason games as compared to four. So there's going to be a change to begin with anyway. I will say this, and we talked about it probably more before the season started than we have since practice started. It seems like the guys are responding to Nick. It seems like they like him. It seems like they like the way he coaches. Now, that will certainly change as soon as the season starts. It will be dictated by wins and losses. If the team gets out one and six, no matter how much they like Nick Sirianni, they're going to start to complain because they're one and six and you got to put the blame on somebody you don't want to put on yourself. So you put it on the coaches. Um, So the fact that right now all the guys like him is a good thing, but it certainly is subject to change, right? 
Yeah, I wrote about this Saturday, too. I thought, and I think Johnny McMullen actually asked him the question about him stopping practice on Saturday or Friday. He asked him it's Saturday, and I loved how he did that. Look, they were not up to, up to snuff, and Nick Seriani said, enough is enough. We're not going to do this, and I love the reasoning for it. Well, what are you going to do in an NFL game and things get tough? You're, you know, you got to keep playing. You got to you know, finish strong, and you know, finish was his word of the weekend. It's, okay, how can we do this better? How can we do that better? Well, I, that's one thing I liked. He just stopped practicing and said, guys, you can't be doing this. We're not going to win football games. And I think when you have a team that may not be as talented as your opponent, if you can outwork them, if you can out-hustle them, if you don't let stuff get to you, you're going to win games in the National Football League regardless of the talent level. And I think Nick Sirianni wanted to point that in, into these guys, say, hey, look, we're not this – world being team. We're not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're not the Kansas City Chiefs. We're the Philadelphia Eagles. And to beat teams like this, who, by the way, we're going to play this year, you got to outwork them. You got to out hustle them to have a chance. And that's one thing I really liked about what Seriani did. And they responded to him. They could have said, Hey, we're done. You know, it's Friday. We got a late practice on Saturday. We're not, no, these guys are bought in. And I think Nick loved the way they finished. And you know, credit to him, that was his first true test of being a head coach, seeing if he can unite an entire 90-man roster. He was able to do that for 15 to 30 minutes. And uh, so far, so good when it comes to his relationship with his players. At least it seems that way from afar. All right, uh, one of the things we touched on with Johnny Mack, I, I think you brought it up, um, and I was going to, about two back sets, that the Eagles are actually running a bunch of uh, plays like that in uh, their practices so far. Doesn't mean they're going to use it a lot during the season, but they want to have it in their toolbox in case they go to it. Last year for the Philadelphia Eagles, they had 3% of their plays with two backs on the field at the same time. 3% out of all of their snaps. So it would be a change if they added to it. This would be certainly something different Nick Sirianni does that uh, uh, Coach Peterson didn't. They've got a lot of guys who look good so far in camp at the backfield position. We don't know who's going to make the team, what kind of mix it's going to be. Um, but is this something that we can pick up on that it's Nick Sirianni's going to be different? He's not just, just standard follow the formula that coaches have done this in the National Football League before, that he's got some creativity and some different ways of thinking of things. Can we read this into the fact that at least early in their practices and workouts, they look like they want to do some things different off offensively. Yeah, and it's nice in theory. I mean, especially in you know the shells and shorts. I want to see him do it in pads because I I think uh, McMullen said this you know with the pony offense. I remember that when Doug tried the two back set. Yeah, it didn't work when they realized Donald Pumphrey couldn't block, couldn't run, couldn't really do anything. So that plan was scrapped. I think they're a little bit deeper now. So. I think Sirianni is looking to revisit this. And the Colts did a lot of this, you know, this two-back set. Um, I don't know if they actually called it 21 speed in Indianapolis, but they had a, a guy that could do that in Naeem Hines, and then you had the bell cow and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, the Eagles, they have a couple guys that could do that. Maybe Jordan Howard can be that bell cow back, or Miles Sanders can quote-unquote be the bell cow back. We, we all know because Doug never used him like that. But I think this is something the Eagles are going to explore, and I wouldn't – give away too much of it in the preseason. I give it a look or two and I kind of hide down the back pocket for week one against the Atlanta Falcons. Cause you don't want any of these teams kind of having a clue of what you're doing. And I always liked how 
especially in the Doug era. The Eagles ran 10 to 15% of plays in the preseason. I think under Andy, it was more about 20, 25% because he wanted to get everything down. But with Nick, I would try to hide anything different from last year, anything you're trying to – and you know the Eagles are going to run 11 personnel a lot. They're probably going to run some 12, and there's going to be a mix of 21 in there, which is awesome. But I I would say that for the practice field or the closed practices and see what you could do there because – Miles Sanders and Boston Scott in the mix, uh, carry on Johnson, you know, uh, heck even an Adrian Killens, guys like that. You can use that to your advantage. Here's uh, one thing that John and I disagree on. And you caught it when we had him on the air here. Um, and I know his, his point of view and uh, certainly it's one that you can take. It's just one that I'm going to disagree with the battle between Dillard and my for left tackle. I, I get the fact that Harry Roseman not only used the first bound pick, but traded up in the first round uh, to get Andre Dillon. And uh, when he's been on the field, he's not producing last year. Of course, he missed all of last year with an injury. So uh, that's a, uh, an issue. You can't grade a guy if he's not in the game. But if you're not in the game, that's not a good thing. Um, here's where I disagree with John. I think Howie Roseman, although he's out to cover his own backside and make sure that uh, the stamp that he's put on his team and the vision that he had in making selections and coming with, up with the roster as is, uh, is certainly something he's going to be concerned about. He's got to work with everybody else. And Nick Sirianni is uh, oftentimes thought of as a coach who was picked because he's as malleable as he is, because the general manager and the owner can – get him in a room and say, listen, here's what we want and do this, that, and the other thing. He's going to go, okay, you gave me the job. Sure. Whatever you guys say. One guy on this roster, one guy on this entire coaching staff is not going to fall prey to that. And that's Jeff Stoutland. He's not going to listen out how he's going to come in and tell, well, you know, I don't think you're giving Dillard enough reps. He's going to go, Mr. Roseman, leave. Just get up, get out, get out of my office. Don't come in here. I know what I'm doing when it comes to offensive linemen. You hired me to do the job, now I'm going to do the job, so please leave me alone. I see that conversation happening. Maybe not with any other coach on the entire team, including the head coach, but I think Jeff Stoutland's going to tell Howie Roseman, I know who the better left tackle is. I'm going to make the call as to who's going to be the starter here. Sorry, you're the general manager. You want to fire me? And I think Stoutland would say that to him too. You want to fire me? Go ahead and fire me. I think he would do that. I believe that the better player is going to get the left tackle position. It's not going to be decided by where someone was drafted, what their contract status is, how it's going to make the general manager look. I think Jeff Stoutland will dictate who the left tackle is. Yay or nay? I agree with you. Uh, and honestly, if I was Nick Sirianni, I would take um, what's Jeff Stoutland, to Howie Roseman's former office in the back corner of the Novacare complex, lock the door and say, all right, you tell me. And, and the, right at the end of camp, who was the better player? And if he says Jordan Malai, and he's like, that's what I'm telling him, and that's what we're going with. And honestly, and you said it, Jody, it's a result-based business. And Jordan Malata has shown results. Andre Diller has not shown anything. And what scares me is it's not that he was Andre Diller was a first-round pick. The Eagles traded up to get Andre Dillard and pry him away from the Houston Texans who were going to draft him. And they had to sell on Titus Howard. So how many chances are they going to give Andre Dillard? And John's right. They're going to give him every opportunity to win this job away from Jordan Mulata. But from all accounts, from what I'm hearing, Jordan Mulata 
is he's not lapping the field, but he's got a big car length advantage right now over Andre Dillard. And I know Stoutland doesn't like to, and I've heard this from McMullen too, you know, the whole one-on-one thing. Yeah, I know Stoutland's not a fan of that. They want to see what they do with the pads on, but you have to be concerned a little bit if Josh Sweat's been one of the best players in camp and Jordan Mulata is handling him pretty well, while Derek Barnett is beating Andre Dillard in one-on-ones. I mean, I'm, I'm probably overreacting to this, but – from all accounts, Jordan Mulata, I think he has a higher ceiling than Andre Dillard, and he was a seventh-round pick. It, it, uh, honestly, Jody, we got to look at it this way. If Jordan Mulata actually played four years of college football and did not play rugby, he probably would have been a first-round pick anyway. Might have, you know, and that's something that we'll never know. Um, you made the point about one-on-one drills. Johnny talked about that, too, when he was on with us, that – it's made to favor the offensive player, uh, excuse me, the defensive player, or the offensive player. I get that. And I think his evaluation of his spot on. You're not comping the player against the player he's going up against. It's not the offensive guy against the defensive guy. It's how many times you get beat in comparison to the guy you're competing with on the offensive line. It's Mylotta against uh, Dillard. It's not Dillard against Sweat. It's not Dillard against Graham. It's not my lot against Graham. It's not my lot against Graham. It's how many times one gets a win and the other one doesn't. So the comparison has got to be made correctly. And I have complete faith that Stoutland will do that. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's one of the best offensive line coaches uh, in the National Football League. Here's what I think is going to be very interesting. You made an excellent point in that practice is practice. Give me results-oriented business. And practice results are only so much. They're going to play three preseason games. The first one, I expect Andre Dillard to start because John's got the right read there. Howie Roseman wants Andre Dillard to win it. So since the coach knows ahead of time, one's going to start game one, the other's going to start game two, whichever one starts the first one isn't that big a deal. So I expect Dillard to start game one and then my lotter to come in for him afterwards. I expect my lotter to start game two and Dillard to come in for him afterwards. Real simple, may the best man win. If one sincerely plays the other, guess what? Week number three, here's your reward. You don't get to play week number three. You get to sit because a whole bunch of ones are going to sit because they're not going to want to risk injury. So you're if you lose the competition, guess what? You get to start week number three. I think it's as simple as that. And it should be that it comes down to those two exhibition games and the guy that does the better job should be the Eagles left tackle when the season opens. And I'll tell you what, Jody, I think it'll be very telling. And we still know how the preseason is going to play out with three preseason games. But whichever one of those two plays the third preseason game, if he, you know, they don't throw his curveball and play both of them. But I'm expecting guys fighting for a roster spot to play that third preseason game. It's going to be the new fourth preseason game, especially since it's on the road. Right. Another point I wanted to make is, and I know he's been, hasn't been practicing, but I would talk to two guys, Isaac Sayamalo and Nate Herbig because they're both playing left guard. And I would ask them, which one does better for slides? Which one covers the C gap better? Which one does this better? Basically, which one makes your job easier? Because it's a whole unit. It's not just the left tackle position. And if they say this player, I think that's going to go a lot into what Jeff Stoutland's going to think here. And the quarterback as well. I would ask Jalen Hurts and be like, hey, look, which one of these guys is making you throw the ball quicker? Which one of these guys is taken away the whole left side of the field for you because they're just not doing their job or, you know, I'd ask, right. I would ask so many people basically it's a whole thing. It's not just, Oh, you know, 
are you getting beat by a defensive end? Like you said, Jody, it's you're facing off against your competition, not against Eric Barnett, not against Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, whoever. It's which one at their best helps this football team win games. And honestly, you got to go draw them a lot at this point. And uh, interesting thing that John passed along to us is that the coach has a winner and a loser on the side of the ball every day after each practice. Offense, you're 0-4. Man, the defense has had the better of it so far in in their practices. I think the Eagle defense has improved. I think the Stephen Nelson signing is going to turn out to be pretty damn big. It frustrated a lot of Eagle fans because it took months to happen. People were calling for his signing like uh, the day after he got released by Pittsburgh. Let's get him. Uh, it took a long time, but he got here before camp opened up. So tip of the cap to Howie Roseman. He seems to have handled that well and gotten Stephen Nelson for uh, his price rather than Stephen or don't call me Stephen, call me Steve Nelson's price. Good for Howie Roseman on that front. Uh, but part of the issue is that, yes, the Eagle wide receiver room, while it may be crowded, is not uberly talented other than Devonta Smith. And oh, by the way, he's a rookie and has played like a rookie a little bit. And his veteran cornerbacks have made him work during practice. This is not good, Jeff, that that none of the Eagle, quote unquote, other wide receivers, and I include Jalen Rager in that, have stepped up to wow anybody so far that it has been a major domination. And that wears off on the quarterback, too. Jalen Hurts has got to wear that because everybody's evaluating Jalen Hurts. Well, he's not completing passes. His percentage is low. Maybe it's because his wide receivers can't get open at all, can't get any separation against their better defensive backs. When did you ever think we were going to say that? The Eagles' better defensive backs. Well, that's what it's been in practice so far. It's not a good look that the wide receivers so far in camp have not been able to get open, Jeff. Yeah, not at all. And when you look at the high draft picks this team has wasted and the guys that they could have drafted, you know, I know fans love to mention Justin Jefferson. They love to mention DK Metcalf. I mean, I, Justin Jefferson specifically because he was one pick after. DK Metcalf was seven after J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. But the point still remains here. The Eagles' evaluation of talent at the wide receiver position is uh, skeptical at best. I mean, Devonta Smith is probably the surest thing you're going to get to a good wide receiver, and I'm not even including him in the mess here. What concerns me is not one, per- like you said, Jay, not one person has stepped up. And we'll see. To me, I was banking on Jalen Rager, and it's early, but I thought Travis Fulgham would be a little bit better than this. Maybe Travis Fulgham was a five game wonder, or just the guy that Carson went through to last year was because he was the only one who could catch a football for that football team. So that's what scares me a bit. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside doesn't look any better. I, I really don't think he's any good to begin with. And your boy, Greg Ward, I mean, I don't expect much out of Greg Ward anyway. Greg Ward catches the football, and he'll probably make this team because he can actually do what wide receivers can do, catch the football. And, yeah, just no one is wowing you off the charts when uh, undrafted rookie free agent is your best wide receiver early on in camp. Not exactly a great sign. And that's why there was so much love for Paul Turner. Remember Paul Turner five years ago? The fans love Paul Turner because Paul Turner did everything no other wide receiver on this football team could do. All right. Uh, last thing, and then we got to take a timeout. I want to get Barrett Brooks, our buddy up uh, from the middle, uh, to join us coming up in hour number two. Um, first, uh, let's, let's go quarter of the season. So first four games of the year percentage snaps 
Greg Ward is on the field for the Eagles for the first four games. You know what, Jody? I will shock you on this. I'll go 35%. Yeah, uh, you're shocking me. All right. How does 70 sound? I'll double what you're saying. (laughs) Greg Ward will be on the field 70% of the snaps. Why? Because you're right. Greg Ward will catch the football. And I know he had uh, an injury issue, so he missed a couple of days so far. But he did make a couple catches uh, in their uh, last practice uh, last week on, on Saturday. Oh, he's going to play. The The coaches are going to play him. And I know he's not the burner. He's not the great athlete. He's not the speed guy. Uh, he's one of the least receivers in the National Football League when it comes average yards per catch. He catches the football. And Jalen Hurts is still a quarterback that they're trying to advance, that they're trying to move along. Having a guy that he knows he can throw the football and he's going to catch it is going to be big. I'm telling you. Uh, don't worry about it. Seventy percent of the snaps. I want to see him on third down uh, because I, I think he's a guy that can move the chains. Honestly, on on third down, third and five, I would go to Greg Ward just because you can throw him a low ball and he's going to catch it. Yeah, he's going to catch plenty because I don't know what the hell they're going to get out of Jalen Rager. And you're right, Travis Fulgham hasn't stepped up so far this year. Well, really, no one has out of the wide receiver group. But at least Greg Ward has done it before in regular season games. I'm telling you, still going to be a key factor for the Eagles receiving core this year. All right, we are Birds 365. It's Jeff Curran for John McMullen today with me, Jody Mack. Still got an hour to rock and roll. Barrett Brooks is going to join us talking birds here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest... Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. It is Birds 365, your Philadelphia Eagles get ready for the season show. We've got a long way to go before we get to, we say that, but it's not really that long. It's now uh, a month before they kick it off and get the season underway. We're into August, and yes, September will mean full-fledged National Football League action with your Philadelphia Eagles here to talk about them today. Your buddies, McDonald and Kerr, hanging out, and Barry Brooks going to join us coming up uh, less than 20 minutes from now. I, uh, Jeff, I figured you tuned into this because uh, certainly you've got a slant toward the Eagles that you do what you do for SI, but also um, uh, you can cover the entire league. Uh, Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Catch any of the NFL's welcome home, or what the hell did they call it again? I forget the uh, exact back together Saturday or something like that. I, I forget what the back, to, back together Saturday uh, practices around the National Football League. They jump from camp to camp to camp to camp. I'll be 100% honest with you. I got caught up and got busy on Saturday, and it was the day after the trade deadline, so I was very much into baseball. I completely forgot it was on. Now they turn around and re-aired it on Sunday, and I go, oh, I can catch up for everything that I missed out on Saturday. So I watched enough of it, but I did so on Sunday rather than Saturday. How do you think it went? Did it did it help to get you ready for a football season? I mean, I was kind of ready for football season a month ago when I got back from vacation, so I didn't need to. But I, I thought from a fan perspective, I think I would have liked it as a journalist. I'm like, ah, this is a little too much for me. Uh, you know, I watched – NFL Live on ABC, I think it was on from like three to six. I watched about an hour, hour and a half of that, see how they were going from camp to camp. Uh, I totally forgot that's why the Eagles have practice as late as they did because sure. it was back, back together Saturday. But overall, I mean, from a if I'm looking at it from a fan perspective, I, I think I they should do it again. Yeah, I, I thought it was, uh, you're right, over the top and a bit much. And uh, even if I had tuned in for the start of it on Saturday, at some point I would have said, all right, enough. Uh, I, yeah, I definitely wanted to be there when the Eagles session was because you got to see about your team. But do I really need to know about the Seattle Seahawks at this stage of the summer? No, I don't. I'll, I'll catch up with the Seahawks later. So there were certain parts of it that uh, were uh, above and beyond something I was interested in. Um even if they had been, and I didn't catch this part of it, I'd been watching when they zeroed in on them, and, and I think they did all 32 teams, uh, the Colts would not have had definitive information on Carson Wentz. 
really they've been playing their cards really close to the vest. And they're still trying to, but some information leaked out yesterday. Uh, for those of you who don't know, and I don't know any Eagle fan worth his salt who wouldn't know by now, Carson Wentz got hurt this past week. Uh, shockingly, Carson Wentz got hurt. Well, he did. He hurt his foot. Uh, and it is severe enough that surgery was being considered that he might have to have surgery immediately. And if that were the case, it would certainly put the start of the season in peril for Carson Wentz as the Colts starting quarterback. Uh, it was reported yesterday that they've decided to pass on having surgery. They're going to go with rest and rehab uh, to get Carson up to and ready for game number one. It means he's probably not going to play in any preseason games. Good luck learning a new system. Yeah, I know. He and Frank Reich know each other. They work together. It is better for someone like that than someone who didn't work with the coach previously to try and start week number one without any preseason games under your belt. But this is a an issue. This is a problem. This is Carson Wentz, and we should not be surprised by this here in Philadelphia. But we know it has ramifications for the Eagles, too, if Carson Wentz should come back and Chaco shocks get hurt again. That would actually compromise and hurt the Eagles drafts status for this upcoming year, Jeff. Well, this is what concerns me about then passing on surgery or delaying it. I call it delaying it. Sure. I would say to Carson, would you rather come back week five? Or would you rather come back week 10 or not come back at all? And if you're the Colts, I think you're as a whole, a roster, you're good enough to at least go to the AFC Championship game as a whole. But you have a glaring hole at the quarterback position. And I think you got to take the long-term view of this. Carson Wentz isn't just your quarterback for this year. He's your quarterback for the next three, four years, maybe even longer than that. And with a guy who I don't like to use the term injury prone. I, do, I don't. I hate that term. But he does get hurt a lot. If I was them, and Frank Reich knows this, I would do what the Eagles did in 2016 with Carson Wentz when he broke the rip. Take your time. Let's get this thing fixed. I know this isn't a foot issue, but, you know, let's get the surgery and we'll see what we got with Jacob Eason this preseason. And if he's not up to stuff, then we'll go get a veteran to hold us over for a couple weeks and you'll be ready by the end of September, mid-October. And we'll go from there. But now when you're doing this, you're just delaying the inevitable at that point. I think he's going to have to get surgery if this thing is as serious as what the, not what the Colts are saying, but what the league is saying. They did sign Brett Hundley, a veteran who's been in the league a couple of years. Actually had a chance to start some games in Green Bay in a year that Aaron Rodgers was hurt. It didn't wow anybody, as a matter of fact. And I I actually thought Brett Hundley was a good draft pick. I think the Packers took him in like the fourth round, somewhere thereabouts. I thought he was actually a value pick when they uh, ended up taking him. Uh, I've seen enough of Brett Hundley to know he's not an NFL quarterback. I kind of like Jacob Eason. I did when he was at Washington. I liked where they took him in last year's draft. Uh, he got zero chance to show his wares last year because there was no preseason. He's going to get that chance. He's going to play in preseason this year, and I think he is the guy who will end up starting week one if Carson isn't ready to go by then. And I'm just waiting for it, Eagle fans. If Jacob Eason looks good in preseason games, there will be some questions, even in small little sleepy Indianapolis, the fans will be saying, well, you know, maybe Jacob Eason is better than Carson Wentz. Why are we going to Carson Wentz? Maybe we should just go forward with Jacob Eason. Oh, it'll be an issue in Indianapolis. The question is, will it get into Carson Wentz's head? 
I'm sorry, I can't answer that question uh, just unquestionably, no. That Carson will be fine. That Carson is with his guru, Frank Reich, and all is well with the world. No, this injury opens up a door that the Colts didn't want to open up. The question of will Carson Wentz be able to mentally handle someone else playing quarterback other than himself? I'm telling you, it's problems for the Colts. Yeah, and I want to bring a little bit of Jacob Eason into perspective here. There is a reason why, and I'll bring this back to the Eagles, why they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. It's because after Jalen Hurts, Jacob Eason was probably the next best quarterback on the board. And if you waited till I think the Eagles had, what, the 9,900 pick that year, you were basically waiting 50 picks for your opportunity to get Jalen Hurts. He wasn't going to be there. Jalen Hurts is going to get drafted probably a little higher than he should have because the, the back half of that quarterback draft was, wasn't great after Justin Herbert. It just wasn't. So I wanted to put that into perspective a bit. But it's not that J- Jacob Eason's a bad quarterback. The Colts got, got him exactly where they should have in the fourth round. But you're right, Jody. It, Jacob Eason plays well in the preseason. And he gets a chance to start regular season games. And the Colts are good enough. They can win games. And it was funny. I talked to a couple guys at, at Sportsline who's uh, affiliated with us at CBS. They did, like, projected win totals and this and that. Like, they did a bunch of simulations with Carson Wentz and with Jacob Eason. The Colts' chance of making the playoff was 73% with Wentz. Not bad. 59% with Eason. I was kind of shocked by that because that means, okay, they don't actually need a really good quarterback. To go to the playoffs. So if this team goes 10 and 7, 9 and 8, and makes the postseason with Jacob Eason playing the majority of the games. You're right, Jody. There is going to be a controversy there. And we all know Carson don't like controversy. I know my colleague, Jonathan Jones, the senior NFL insider for CBS. I don't know if he was joking or not. I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but he said, you know what? Nick Foles knows Frank Wright's system and we all know he ain't playing in Chicago. So let's bring him there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, John. I'm sure Carson Wentz would just love that opportunity. I, I tweeted about that this weekend. I said, the one quarterback that is available or could be is possibly available, a veteran guy who may be able to hold down the fort until Carson Wentz comes back. And this was before they announced that he was going to not have the surgery and that he's hoping to be ready week one. I was uh, looking at it as if he was going to miss some games at the start of the season. The one guy I can guarantee you will not be quarterbacking the Indianapolis Colts is Nick Foles. Frank Reich is not opening up that door. That's not happening. He saw the aftermath here. He knows exactly what happens. I'm sure that he, too, has a warm spot in his heart for Nick Foles, but they've committed to Carson Wentz. They're not going to try and throw a monkey wrench into it by bringing in Nick Foles. No, that's not happening. They had, uh, they might have either just signed Brett Hundley or about to sign Brett Hundley. So they got their veteran guy. It's going to be the guys who are in the Colts camp right now who are going to be the quarterback if it's not Carson Wentz. Oh, it's not going to be Nick Foles. But do you think uh, you think Foles uh, does get traded? Do you think the Bears are going to be able to generate interest and move him before the season starts? That $6.67 million salary is the biggest concern to me. I, you know, I, outside of Philadelphia, where do you go with you know, Nick Foles? It's not like he's played bad per se. It's just it hasn't worked. Like in Jacksonville, he never really got – an opportunity. They just kind of said, oh, Garner, you know, we paid you $50 million guaranteed, and this is what we get, even though the roster was terrible. So we're going to go with this Garner Minshew guy who just dumps off passes. He doesn't really do much. Um, there are just better options available that you don't have to pay that much. 
outside of Nick Foles. Like Gardner Minshew's one of them. And Marcus Mariota, he may be, I hate to say it right now, he may be a better quarterback than Nick Foles. I don't think Vegas is actually going to move Marcus Mariota because John Gruden really likes him. But there are options out there. I, I think Foles could be on the move somewhere, but the Bears are going to have to eat his salary. I think that's going to be the main thing here. And I just don't think he's meant to be a number three quarterback sitting on the bench right now. There's going to be some team that needs a quarterback, some team where not a starter, but they're going to need a good backup quarterback. And I, I, you know, there are a couple off the top of my head. I think the Seattle Seahawks could use a backup quarterback. I, you know, I, I, I the Arizona Cardinals, I think they could use, I think Los Angeles Rams could use a backup quarterback. God forbid anything happens to Matthew Stafford. There, there are teams that need a number two right now. And Nick Foles is as good as a one as you're going to find. Understood. Um, I asked John about this uh, with the Eagles quarterback situation. Not that I'm opening the door for a Nick Foles return. I'm not, Eagle fans. Sweat not. Sorry, Nick Foles devotees. I'm not coming back here. I, I just wondered about Nick Mullins and, and Joe Flacco. Mullins, to most observers' eyes, have outplayed Flacco to this point. But Flacco got the guaranteed deal and how much that's going to play into it. I get it. Money is an important part of it, but can you carry three quarterbacks uh, week in, week out on your 53-man? John thought it was very easy. Uh, the Bears going down that line, are they going to keep Nick Foles if no one offers them anything rather than cut him and let him be picked up by someone else for basically nothing? They just have to sign him to a veteran minimum deal. Uh, do you think they'll keep him around and go with three quarterbacks on the roster if they can't get the deal that they want on the open market? If they were smart, they would, and then just kind of wait it out because the trade deadline's not before the start of the season. The trade deadline's at week eight, and if a quarterback needy team comes calling, you're the Bears say, hey, you know, we got a guy, he's inactive every week. Yeah, I think that's very possible because you're not saving cap space by cutting Nick Foles at this point, not not till next year. And that's what the Bears really got to focus into this. It's, okay, well, what happens if Andy Dalton gets hurt? or Justin Fields gets hurt. I mean, they haven't yet, and they don't really have a history of getting injured, but it is possible. So I'm looking at it as three quarterbacks, having all three of them on your active roster isn't going to hurt us. And if you're the Bears, you got to really consider this. And if everything they say out in Chicago is true, and we know this in Philadelphia, how much of a teammate Nick Bowles is, how much of a leader he can be, I think he's a good veteran mentor. I think he's a better veteran mentor than Andy Dalton for Justin Fields. I would keep him around until you get a price that – I mean, honestly, if the Bears can get a high day three draft pick for Nick Foles, I know that's really reaching here. you got to be doing circles around your office if you're Ryan Pace. Agreed. Uh, any kind of draft pick they get for Nick Foles at this point would be a win as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and the one guy we haven't talked about uh, over the last half hour at the quarterback position is Jalen Hurts. And I think it's borderline funny that I wouldn't have any problem uh, or any concerns with who the Eagles backup quarterback is with Jalen Hurts. Because I truly believe Jalen Hurts is mentally capable of dealing with competition that nothing is a given that I'm going to go out and I'm going to have to win the job each and every single week of the season. Not the fact that it's handed to me and I expect it. Uh, a lot of the league talk about Aaron Rodgers. Not only does he want to be the quarterback, he wants to be the general manager too. 
Jalen Hurts has got none of that going on. He just wants to be able to get uh, get out there on the field, compete for his job, and do the best that he can. I think it's a refreshing change after what we went through with Carson Wentz here uh, this, this past year. All right, Jody Mack, Jeff Carr, your Birds 365 guys. We're hoping to hear from Barrett Brooks. You know him from the middle here on Birds uh, on uh, the Jacob Media YouTube channel and also on NBC Sports Philadelphia, their Eagles insider. He's going to be our insider coming up shortly here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We are Birds 365. We would be me, Jody McDonald, along with uh, Jeff Perver, filling in for John McMullen. If you miss Johnny Mac, fear not. 
Uh, we'll certainly be posting this when it's over and done. When you go back and catch John McMullen's report, uh, he joined us right at the top of the show today, and we'll probably be doing so for the next uh, couple of weeks. The Eagles haven't scheduled out their practice past this week coming up, so we don't exactly know when the coach is going to be available or how early the media guys are going to need to be down there to uh, get all the information that they can from the important participants. Yeah, certainly Nick Sirianni is one of them. Um, so uh, John may be hopping on at the beginnings of our show, at least for the rest of this week. We'll see about the uh, weeks going forward with uh, training camp. Um, but Coach Sirianni has been keeping track as to who wins the day down at practice, Jeff. And Johnny Mac told us uh, he admitted it's a 4-0 count so far on the scoreboard, defense over offense. You can look at that one of two ways. If you're an Eagle fan, you can put on your Eagle colored glasses and say, oh, our defense is going to be so good. Uh, the, the huge addition of Steve Nelson. Damn, it's those guys coming together. As a, this Gannon guy is going to be great as a defensive coordinator. Or you can look at it and go, man, our offense stinks. Our defense is only okay at best, and they're getting dominated on a day-in, day-out basis in practice. Man, are we going to score any points this year? I know. Those are the two polar opposites, and I'm gilding the lily on both ends a little bit. But the bottom line is, I think the head coach is being honest. His defense has been better to this point. Give me the glass-half-empty, glass-half-full look at it from you, Jeff Carr. Well, here's the thing, Jody. The defense could be really good, but they probably won't look at the first couple of weeks of the season because of the offenses they're playing. Kansas City and Tampa Bay, Dallas, I'm looking at you. Um, so I, I think it's going to be – how can I put it? I, I don't want to go glass half, half empty, glass half full, but I think this defense can be top 10, top 15. I, I think they have enough talent on that side of the ball. I think the secondary is going to be significantly improved because, as John mentioned earlier, Stephen Nelson on the – on the outside playing boundary. All of a sudden, you got Avante Max in the slot. Now you have depth at cornerback because you have Zach McPherson back there too, who can provide a couple looks in there and you know five defensive back sets if you choose to go go with him in that route. The offense is my biggest concern here. I'll go glass half empty there because I think the backs are going to be fine. I think you're going to rely on them a lot. I actually think the quarterback's going to be fine. It's the wide receivers that scare the heck out of me and. When you get Zach Ertz, you know, this is why I say you got to keep Zach Ertz because I don't know what they have in Travis Fulham. I really don't. I, I know what they have in five games from him. But outside of that, he was terrible. And I, I'd like to be nice to the guy because I, I do think he, there's potential there. I will say that for a six-round pick you got off the waiver wire, I think there's potential. But Jalen Rager, you know, he's battling something right now. He's – He's got this mental health issue thing going on, and rightfully so. You know, I, I don't think I would be in the right state of mind if, you know, I, I lost a close friend to the murder either. So I could see it there, and he's got time. And that's the guy they really got bank on this year because this is the guy I thought that, at least in my opinion, not that he could have been a number one receiver, but I thought he was going to be a home run threat, and he still can be. And I think Jalen Hurts gets the ball to him really well. I thought Jalen Riker played significantly better in the game Jalen Hurts was his quarterback than in any game he was with Carson Wentz outside of week one when he caught the 55-yard pass. So if Jalen Riker and Travis Fulgham can be competent, I'll feel a lot better about this wide receiver group than I would right now. 
And you were the first one to reference Zach Ertz today. Uh, surprisingly, we're an hour and 20 minutes of the show and hadn't brought up Zach Ertz yet. I, I meant to bring him up with Johnny Mac. We had him on and uh, we didn't get there either. Um, checking people's reports and uh, what they've noticed and how they viewed Zach Ertz so far. I think a fair word would be disconnected that he's there, that he's practicing, that he's out there on the field with his team, but he doesn't look overly excited. I know on Friday we made a big deal or somebody made a big deal about the fact that he wore his shorts inside out so that you couldn't see that they said Eagles. I think that was a little bit too much reading between the lines, but he hasn't exactly been uh, at the top of his game. Oh, there he is, Barrett Brooks. Good enough to hop aboard with us. I, uh, Barrett, I was just saying to Jeff, and, and I'll get both you guys' takes on it, if you uh, agree that Zach Ertz to this point has been a little distant, he's not one of the guys. He's not in there high-fiving anybody or chest-bumping anybody, but he's going about his business because he's a professional and he's supposed to be there and he's not getting fined, and at least he's happy about that. Barrett, no how, much of a, how much of an issue is this? Is this something that's going to peter out that the further they get down the road, the Zach Ertz is going to realize, hey, I could be here all year. I better get involved. I better get uh, to be part of this team and invested in it. Or do you think this is going to continue up until the day he's no longer an Eagle? You know, it's strictly from a monetary um, perspective. Of course, he's going to love being here because he's going to make more money than he'll make anywhere else. Um, but it's not all about money sometimes. But in Zach Ertz's um, case, I think it is about the money. That's why he wanted the new contract. And uh, he wanted a little more um, of, of a sense that, you know, all right, you guys want me here. But since they didn't go through with it, it's kind of like those three monkeys, you know, see no evil, hear no evil, see no evil. <laughs> it's not going to say anything about it. And that's, that's, I mean, that's exactly what it is. Zach Ertz is a professional. He understands what he brings. He's an asset. And his coaching staff understand he's an asset also. Um, you know, it's just the people upstairs in the organization um, don't want to, pay that asset going into the future because they feel as though they have somebody else that can, you know, take over at that spot. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they can run a lot of different personnel packages with him being on the field. He's still a threat. Team still will game plan for him. And he understands how to play this game. So he's going to be okay. He's going to be good for this offense. He's going to be good for this young quarterback, especially. Um, that's one thing that I've I've seen about Jalen at this point. He likes to hold the ball a little bit. He needs to get better with his pre-snap. And until he does that, he's going to need a guy like Zach Ertz to under who understands how to get open because we have young receivers. But, you know, we have veteran tight ends and he's one of those guys that can get open and when the ball gets to him, you know, he'll he'll be in a position to help that young quarterback out. I kind of look at this too like Xavier Howard in Miami. He wants a new contract or more guaranteed money and I got to give Xavier Howard a lot of credit. He did not have to do this Saturday, but he went out and spoke to the media when the Dolphins asked him to, and he was probably as professional as professional can be. Look, I'm not here because of my contract situation. I am here because I love my teammates. There's no riff with Brian Jones. There's really no riff with Brian Flores. This is up to the Miami Dolphins to get this thing right, or I don't want to be here. And he's done all the right things. He said all the right things. He said, there's no injury. I'm practicing today. They're just taking care of me. And, you know, he's doing everything he needs to to stay in Miami. And I, I love that approach by Xavier Howard. The only disagreement he had was, well, no, Brian Flores and I didn't speak today. We spoke yesterday. So I don't know where he's getting that from. 
<laughs> you know, and that's that's what it is. You have to be a pro about this whole situation. If you, if Zachers went somewhere else, he'd probably be making a little over the um, league minimum, probably around about three million. Um, he stays here. He's going to get seven point eight eight million dollars. You know, he, he stands to make a lot more money here right now. So he's going to be here. But like like I said, coach Coach Nick Seriani, he understands that he still has a weapon in Zach Ertz. And he showed it in practice last week on um when I watched practice on Saturday. He had a long bomb in which he beat the DB and um he beat a DB, um, the slot receiver, I mean a uh, slot defender, and and took it for a touchdown. Good for Zach Ertz. Glad to hear that. All right, uh, Barrett, where we need your expertise more than anywhere else is of course <laughs> on the offensive line. Uh, we were talking about this earlier. McMullen and I see this a little bit differently. Jeff's kind of in the middle on this one. Starting left tackle. I say that the offensive line coach, uh, Mr. Stoutland, is going to rue the day. That he's going to be the one who's going to decide who the left tackle is, who's winning that competition, who should start week one. John kind of leans toward, you realize how he Roseman used a first-round pick on this guy. And they're going to bend over backwards to give him every chance to win the job. You've had a chance to get some looks at practice so far. Give us your read on the left tackle competition, where it sits right now and where you think it's going. Well, I was surprised. I think both of you guys are wrong on this. Um, really? Yeah. It's, it. it's not Nick Stoutland. Um, I don't I don't think it's, um, you know, Howie Roseman either. I really think that um, if you look at it, Jordan Malata is winning winning this 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 battle. He's played better. He's done more things. He looks more polished as an offensive tackle. He looks better. He's playing better, period, point blank. You know, um, you know, at this point, Dillard is having a rough, rough practice, a rough practice. You know, he's, he's having a rough camp, and he's not playing um, nearly as good as I thought he was going to play. But it might be just because Jordan Malata is just playing a lot better than he is. And I'm not saying Jordan Malata is blowing anybody out of the water. But he just looks more of a polished um, offensive tackle. He can protect the blind side of whoever the quarterback is. And and, and that alone is going to allow him to play. He's just a better player. Um, Dillard is just – he's he's not playing – he's not playing strong enough. You know, not to say he's playing – he's playing like he's soft, but he's not playing strong enough to be starting left tackle. And when you have somebody six foot eight, 380 pounds, who's now getting it, and understands what it is to be an offensive lineman in the NFL now, he is playing a lot better. He has a lot more force behind his blocks. He's a lot more he – he, you can see the intention of what he's doing now is, 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 is NFL caliber. You know, his intentions are, I'm going to be here as a starter. Now, he still smiles too much for me. He's still too happy for me. He's still, too, <laughs> still the nicest guy in the world. But when he puts his hands on people, they know they're, they're caught. They're, they know that they're getting pushed around. Um, Dillard is not that point. Even though he's a technician, he's just he just doesn't play strong enough or stout enough to be that starting left tackle. So I, I think it's more so those two are the way they're playing is going to determine who's going to be the starter. And I think Jordan Malata is stepping up a lot more than Andre Dillard. Now, Barrett, this may be a little unorthodox here, but I was talking to Dalton Roger last week, and I was asking him about how much Garrett Bowles has improved in Denver, and. He said, you know, Jeff, as a left guard, you can really tell who the better left tackle is in, in a camp competition based on slide protections and where they can protect the gap and how the quarterback's reacting. Uh, do you think the Eagles should maybe – I know he hasn't practiced, but maybe they should ask, you know, Nate Herbig, Isaac Sayamalo, you know, see which one is 
kind of the better left tackle at this point. Um, I don't think necessarily that you know you'd even get any a real answer out of them. They 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 wouldn't you know be they're talking about one of their teammates. What you will see is what you just explained. You'll see the way the protection is sent. You'll see how and what type of protections how they're trying to take advantage of the defense. And a lot of the times you try to cover up from the weak offensive linemen. There's no weak offensive linemen when, when um, Jordan Malata's in the game. They can run whatever they want to run. They can run, you know, with a purpose of trying to uh, take advantage of something, not to keep them from being taken advantage of. You know, you can run a, you can run a play to take advantage of what the defense is or who's the, who's the lesser of the, of, of the defense events as far as run blocking potential and pass blocking potential. But you can also run plays – to hide an offensive tackle too. And they're not running plays to hide him when Jordan Malata's out there. They can run plays specific for uh, seeing how to take apart a defense. I don't know if you could do that with Dillard. They would have to send help his way. They would have to slide the line that way. So, you know, they, the coaching staff, you'll see what the coaching staff is running, you know, in these games to really give you a, a, an accurate barometer. Not who's starting, but what plays they're calling to show you what and who is going to be the guy that's going to be starting come Sunday. Barrett, let me tap into your offensive line insight to talk about the defensive line. Barrett Brooks, at the top of his game, who would you have a harder time with these days, Josh Sweat or Derek Barnett? At this point, Josh Sweat is becoming a player, a really good player. He um, he showed a one-hand stab against Dillard, and Dillard couldn't recover from it. And this is during, this is during the um, – the, uh, not the individual drills. This is what one on ones. This was during, um, during the when they're trying to run plays, and he just totally just bulldozed Dillard on the play. Now they couldn't even finish the play out, and he is he is really refining who he is as a defensive end. He's going to be a guy that's going to take a, make a lot of rep, reps, and you're going to see a lot of this going on because he is definitely played. He's definitely playing at a high level. You know, I love that. I love his sack dance. You know when he. Those the sweat off of him. Well, you're gonna see a lot of that. He is he had an impressive camp, and it started last year. He started playing better and better, and now you can see the confidence in it. He still has a little bit of a limp in that knee. You can tell the knee still bothers him, but it still didn't change the fact he's become a lot more explosive, getting off the ball, explosive with his hands. Um, his intention is to get to the quarterback, and he's doing that very very well right now. So I love the way this kid is playing. I think he's playing, you know, um, on the same level as Barnett. Now, Barnett's, you know, a little more crafty just because, you know, he's a little more healthier. But um, as far as production, Sweat's going to have a lot of production in uh, this coming season. It seems like Milton Williams, too, is really polished for a rookie third-round pick. I know. Quick. <laughs> oh, my God. Go. <laughs> yep. yeah. He's getting off the line, man. He's looking really good, man. I'm, I'm glad you brought him up because during one-on-one, she just showed his versatility. He did both rush. He he um, – he, he, Beat um, the guard off quickness. Then he went right back in and beat him with um, power, you know, a bull rush, beat him with power. Now, all this stuff looks well with no pads on because I haven't seen him in pads. But right now, those two are looking really, really good on the defensive line. Barrett, early on, first week of practice, Eagles had a practice that lasted less than an hour and a half. As a guy who was in the league, when they actually practiced, what did you say when you found out they had a 75-minute practice? I, I immediately thought that I could still be playing now. You know, I got drafted ninety five. <laughs> what I'd be going into? You could go for seventy five, right? Barry? Oh my goodness, I, I'd, I'd be going into year 
what, year 21, 22, 23, if I only had an hour and a half, for, I mean, an hour and 45 minutes for practice. Yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was shocking to me because when the, wind, when the horn blew up and they called him up, I started looking around like, this can't be the end of practice. I mean, it's, it's to the it's to the point now that you can't be late for practice because if you do, you might miss practice. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's the CBA. I understand it's not because I remember when I, my first camp, um, we were in Lehigh uh, and, and you know, um, no, we were in Westchester. I'm sorry, Westchester. I was in Westchester my first camp. And I can remember, you know, we had two practices. The first practice was three hours. The second practice was two and a half hours. Full pads. And you would get in shape that way. If you don't come in shape now, you're not going to get in shape because – at this point, you don't do enough to really get your body in, in, in football shape. I don't know how they're going to play. And they did it last year. They've shown that they can do it, man. But I don't see how they're playing and going full speed when you're not getting the reps to get your body used to being hit, used to, you know, going full speed. Those are all things. You can run around all day. You can do all kind of drills all day. But until you start hitting and moving a 400-pound person that's in front of you in pads, you never get a sense on if you're ready to do that. I don't see how they're going to do it, but hey, you know, it's, they proved that they could do it. They did it last year and the year before. So we'll see how they look going into the season. Tell you what, Barrett, I've never seen this before. And I went to, when I was a kid, I went to Eagles training camp all the time. I was at Lehigh, and I never saw Andy Reid stop a practice. I would go to both practices. I, <laughs> I, from what I know, Jim Kelly has never done this. And I'm pretty sure. Right. So when Nick Seriani did that, it was like thinking to yourself. Well, I started looking around like, did I miss I came late or something? What's going on? I mean, is this practice really over? And a lot of the riders looked at me like, well, yeah, well, I, I guess it is over. But, you know, it's a new wave. You know, this is new coaching staff. And I will tell you this. There is a lot of enthusiasm. Nobody walks around. They're full speed reps. And when they're, when, they're, when they're going, they're going. They're going hard and they're going fast. And you can tell the intensity of, of what's going on in practice. You know, it's very intense. They're coaching every guy, and I love that aspect of this coaching staff. They're coaching each and every guy, not just the veteran players who are going to be playing, but even the young players. Each coach is, is, is grabbing their guys, and after each play, he's telling. Even Stalin's changing his coaching style a little bit. He's even, he's always been an aggressive coach, but he's even a little more aggressive. You know, but you can tell that these guys are, are, are going 100%. They're going fast. There's an intensity in, in the practice. Um, there's an enthusiasm in the practice. I love that aspect of it. You know, everything is what you want from a team and understanding and buying into what the coaching staff wants them to do, and they're doing it. Barrett, last one. Um, you just talked about the coaching staff. Let me take it a step further about Coach Gannon, your defensive coordinator. Um, he's starting to let little things out in his media sessions. He's not going to give you his full game plan, that's for sure, but he's being as forthright as he can be. They're going to do things differently than they did under Jim Schwartz here. And they're going to do things that are going to try and catch the other team off guard. That he believes deception and keeping things under wraps is a way that you can cause some of those term turnovers that he seems to be striving for. He's talking a good game. Are you seeing that out in the field when you've been in practice? Absolutely. Absolutely. I do see it. He's mixing up coverages. And I'm telling you, the veteran play, a lot of the veteran players – are, are going and getting more work than, than the younger players. I mean, you have guys like Nelson and, and, and you know, guys like Slay that are doing work after practice, going and grabbing Gannon after practice, and they go through stuff. You know, their, their DB coach, they go through stuff. And you could see the nature of how they're trying to, you know, create turnovers. Every single play, they're trying to knock the ball out. 
They're trying to make sure they go out to be physical with the play. They're using their technique. You know, the coach says inside out, they're, they're, they're tackling inside out, waiting for reinforcements to come. Um, you know, I can't see the blitzing stuff. I've seen the blitzing, but, you know, I, I, I do think they're going to blitz a lot because, you know, he's one of those guys he wants to be very aggressive. You can tell the way the DBs are, they're being very, very aggressive. They're trying to punch balls out. You know, there's an intent, a definite intent to create turnovers. Even in practice, um, I watched on Saturday, they knocked the ball out, um, you know, during during practice out of the quarterback's hand. And usually, you know, you can't do that. But, I mean, they went with the pass rush, knocked the ball out of the quarterback's hand, and they didn't blow the whistle and stop. They let them go get it too, you know. So that's the intensity that Gannon has given this team. You can see the intensity of his defense, and that's going to be huge. That's going to be big for this defense. Turnovers is something that they're working at every single play from the DBs to the D-line, and definitely with the linebackers. Barrett, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on. The only downside of doing this YouTube thing is you can't actually give Aton Shander a forearm shiver. So give it to him verbally today. On the well, I, I was going to give him a one-hand stab with it, you know, pass rush move or maybe a swim move a little bit, you know, but I'll try to get him going. <laughs> Please do that for us. Barrett, yeah. <laughs> There we go, man. Well, hey, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. Barrett, no, thank you. Appreciate you hopping on with us. Barrett Brooks, you'll catch him on the middle coming up a couple hours down the road here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Speaking of Jacob Media, the big boss, Joe Krause, is going to hop in for me. He's going to take you home with Jeff Kerr. So you got JK and JK. Usually it's JM and JM, but the last 20 minutes today is going to be JK and JK. So you want to keep it right here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. <clears throat> it's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, <clears throat> Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. <clears throat> so when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. <clears throat> Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Birds 365 with Jody Mack and John McMullen. In for Jody Mack, Joe Krause bringing you home on this Monday. Jeff Kerr, National CBS correspondent, in for John McMullen during uh, what will be 18 days of training camp uh, down at the NovaCare Complex. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Jeff, again, thanks for kicking off the week and being here uh, with Jody Mack. I'm going to ask you to take off your hat as co-host of birds 365 and finish up this show with you as an analyst so i can get some of your perspective looking through your lens on how you're going to evaluate week one and now going into what is week two day number five of camp a lot of stories surfaced, as we expected, uh, out of week uh, number one. Let's begin there. Your overall assessment with week one in the books, Jeff. Well, defense has definitely ruled the day, Joe. I will say that. It's, you know, John McMullen was spot on, 4-0. 4-0, Nick Sirianni preaches competition, keeps score. The defense has won every day, and I don't know if it's because the Eagles' defense is better than the offense, which, I mean, they obviously are right now, but I don't know if that's because the offense is bad or if the defense is that good. or. But, man, it looks like they had a home run with the Steven Nelson signing through four days here. That was the move I think they needed to be a top-10 defense. I want to ask you to comment about the pace of practice in camp so far. As John McMullen reported, on Saturday, and I think he reported it again this morning on Birds 365 when you talked to him to kick off the show. They go to pads tomorrow, and assuming that holds true, the team will be in pads uh, tomorrow. But the comments coming out of week one have been words like physical, intense, high energy, what are your thoughts about that? Dare I say, or dare I compare, or dare I reminisce about Chip Kelly? I would go more Andy Reid, honestly. Remember his first training camp in 1999? That was very physical. And if you weren't up to snuff, a.k.a. George Hegeman, he cut you. And we saw how soft of a player George Hegeman was when he went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Hugh Douglas just went right by him and sacked Sean King in a playoff game. So – I think it's you got to be tough to play for this man. I think you got to be physically tough. I think you got to be mentally tough. And if you're not, I think he, 
I don't want to say he'll be your buddy. He's not going to coddle you, but he's going to make sure that you're at that level. And I think that's why Jalen Rager has been sitting out. He said, hey, look, if you can't – you're not in the mood to go through this right now. We want you at 100% thinking about this. So I'm looking at it as, look, I want you guys going 100% all the time. I don't think that's a Chip Kelly thing. I think it's a mixture of – I want a tough football team who I don't think has the talent of the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which they don't, but we can win this division. We can make the playoffs if we play hard every single play and if we can outwork our opponent. And there is nothing wrong with the coach thinking that until you get those guys. Because I think this team is bought into what he's doing so far. We'll make a, or we'll hear from head coach Nick Sirianni a little bit later on today. They did some schedule adjustment where Nick Sirianni spoke to the media before practice today. So that's a change, whether or not that stays uh, for the remaining uh, days in training camp. John McMullen, of course, will keep us uh, up to speed. What do you make of them, Jeff? Here's a um, receivers coach. Here's a guy who's never been the head coach. Here's a guy that comes in under tremendous um, scrutiny um, about why he's here and what he will do or how he will manage. Howie Roseman, the owner, Jeff Lurie, uh, the expectations of the fan base in this town, a quarterback situation with Jalen Hurts. He certainly has been dealt a lot of crap uh, up front. What do you make of how he's handled himself in the opening week? Well, I will say this, Joe. He, The coaches are going to speak uh, before practice for the rest of the week when I got the schedule. So, yeah, so we're going to have uh, McMullen on a little bit earlier, I guess, all week. But I will say this with Nick Sariani. I like the hands-on approach. I think he's more – it's more the new wave of coaches. They're more detailed. They're more involved. And I don't want to go he's anti-Doug because I don't think he's anti-Doug, but I think he's more of I'm vested. I'm interested. And it's not just the starters. It's everybody. I want to make sure I'm getting the most out of every single player on this roster and every single coach on this roster. I mean, Bauer Brooks said it best. Jeff Stoutland has changed the way he coaches. He's always been aggressive. He's even more aggressive now. So you could tell Nick Sirianni had a meeting with these coaches over the last six weeks and said, hey, guys, this is what we're going to do here. We are going to attack. And I know that's he loves using that word. And we're going to get 1% better every day. And I think he truly means what he says. And, look, we're going to be as detailed as we can with all these guys. Jamal Singleton with the running backs. Um, Brian Johnson with the quarterbacks, Jeff Stout with the offensive line, guys like that. I think it's going to be one of those. Look, you're a coach on my football team. We want this team to be as best prepared as they can, not just for a game, for practice, for the meeting room, for lunch, <laughs> you know, to show up to work. It's That's one thing I like about this guy. His attention to detail is so deep and Again, I've said this before, Nick Sirianni. You asked him about his wife and his kids, I think he would stutter. But if you ask him about football, this guy can just talk your ear off. Jeff, let me ask you to drill down a little bit deeper and just to help us understand, perhaps visualize or even jog our memory a little bit, uh, back to uh, the Doug Peterson era. The Super Bowl winning head coach, Doug Peterson. Uh, what is the difference or what, what was Doug's practice like in camp compared to this high-energy, hands-on approach by a new head coach, Nick Sirianni? 
I think Doug was more of a laid back type of guy. Like he, his first practice, his first year with the Eagles, they did have tough practices. That was my first year actually covering the team. And I remember specifically, he was the anti chip. He really was. It was not my way or the highway. It's like, okay, you're not feeling it today. Fine. If you're over 30 years old, I'll take care. That's one thing Nick Seriani kept, even though he's doing a little bit early. But Doug listened to his players a lot and he got a lot of intel from his guys. And he wasn't the guy to, really care about the preseason as much as well as getting them ready. And I think sometimes his practices were a little too tough in that his players got hurt. I think the difference is Dick Sirianni goes, okay, you guys need the day off because I think long-term this is better for our football team. And Doug, you know, Doug did a lot of unorthodox things his first couple of years. And truthfully, Joe, I think toward the end, I think just last year was too much for him. He got COVID and I think that took a while for him to recover. And then I think the whole Carson Wentz thing just blindsided him out of nowhere because all of a sudden this guy's worried about his backup quarterback and this guy's starting to not play well. And that threw a wrench into Doug's plans. I think Doug was thinking, okay, Carson's good enough where we could get to the playoffs with him playing the way he played from 17 to 19. And he wasn't that 81 touchdown, 21 interception guy. And I just think that took so much out of him and the whole COVID protocols. And I mean, Lane Johnson said it best. The best part about this year is I don't have to go eat lunch and buy myself in the car anymore. I don't have to do things by myself anymore. I get to be with the guys. And I think Doug really wanted to be with the guys. I just think last year just took so much out of that guy that I'm not going to pursue an offensive coordinator job this year. I had He had a chance for the Seattle Seahawks job. I know Pete Carroll really wanted them. And I think Doug said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm just going to take a year off and kind of recharge the batteries. And I, I fully expect him back doing what he loves in 2022 somewhere. But Nick Sirianni, man, he, he is his first time as a head coach. I think he loves the opportunity the Eagles gave him. And, you know, we talk about this a lot, Joe. Whenever you get an opportunity, you got to present it to the best of your ability. And Nick Sirianni is clearly doing that. It's not unorthodox. This is what the younger coaches are doing. They're more involved. I mean, you know, he, he, honestly, Jason Pierce is on this roster. Nick Sirianni would be younger than him. That's just the reality of, of the situation right now. And I think at – in his late 30s, Nick Sirianni can relate to a lot of these young players because it, he wasn't that far removed from being one himself. Of course, Doug, you can add to the description of Doug Peterson. He'll also take the check that he'll receive from the Philadelphia Eagles while he <laughs> uh, while he looks ahead uh, to 2022. By the way, the fans will get their first look at this football team. Open practice coming up on Sunday of this week, the first of two. So that will be exciting, of course, across the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We'll have all kind of live cut-ins and uh, and our daily camp recap uh, with John McMullen. We'll have that for you. Our wall-to-wall coverage on the Jacob Media YouTube channel uh, continues all the way through leading up to what will be the opener for the season uh, on September 12th. I want to stay with the Nick Sirianni, only I want to speak with you or ask you now, Jeff, in the context of competition going into tomorrow. So if tomorrow is the first day that the pads go on and the first five days of camp without the pads have been physical, have been aggressive, what do you expect the first day with pads on uh, to be like tomorrow. I'll relate this to when I played uh, under my high school football coach, David Dulles. I knew him really well from, you know, I was 
you know, his water boy going up and all, all that stuff. I knew how physical his practices were, but we were in helmets and shells and, you know, just pads and we were bringing it in and it was physical and we're just like, okay, what's it going to be like when the pads come on? Like you said, Joe, I'll tell you what, you better bring it that first practice or you're going to get destroyed. Like physically, mentally, you're going to get bruised. It's going to be a long week for you. And so if I'm, you know, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, for example, I'm coming after that offensive line as hard as I can because they're not going to pull any punches back. It's going to be brutal for them. And, it, you know, I, I really feel Nick Sariani is going to treat this like a game because it is a competition. It's, it's advanced rock, paper, scissors, if you will, Joe. It's, you know, we want to win the day. You're the offense. You want to beat the defense. That's your opponent for the day. And your de- defense, you want to destroy the offense. That's your opponent for the day. And I think these guys are really going to bring it. And I think Nick Sirianni is going to be vocal. And I think when they get in that meeting room and Nick tells him who won the practice, I think you're going to see a little rah-rah, you know, from whoever won the day. And I think it's going to be like that for a couple hours, uh, you know, each day with the, with these short practices. And, I think it's going to really help this football team going forward because they're going to be sick of each other by next Tuesday, next Wednesday. If I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'd be glad that I had a week of actual preseason football against another opponent because I feel like the Eagles are going to want to take it out on somebody. Jeff Kerr giving us expert opinion uh, on Birds 365, also filling in all week for John McMullen, doing a great job with Jody Mack. They'll be back tomorrow right here on Birds 365. I don't want to be repetitive, and I apologize if I'm asking a question that you may have covered uh, earlier in Birds 365, Jeff, but I'd love to get your take. The one battle going on, the one competition on that offensive line, Andre Dillard, Jordan Mulata. One day it's Dillard, one day it's Malata. How do you see it uh, as that unfolds uh, in terms of who ultimately might win that competition? Who's the starter? Too early to tell, or do you already know? You remember the Harvard Mirror final in 2008 with Usain Bolt just basically destroying the field? I feel like Jordan Malata is Usain Bolt and Andre Dillard is everybody else. He's trying to catch him. And I don't know if. Andre Diller will catch him. I think with pads on, that obviously will be the equalizer here. And the Eagles are going to give Andre Dillard every single opportunity to win this job because he's a first-round pick. But Barrett Brooks has said it. I've heard it. McMullen said it. Malah is just the better player right now. It's just, will Andre, will Andre Dillard get the job because he was a high draft pick and because the Eagles traded up for him? And, I, you know, the Eagles invested a lot in Jordan Malata too. And, I think if you ask Jeff Stoutland, it's Jordan Malata. And, you know, he's just an NFL-ready left tackle right now. There's only 10 or 15 decent offensive tackles in this league. I mean, there aren't a lot of good offensive tackles. And Jordan Malata is definitely on that list right now. I'm not sure what Andre Dillard is, but if Dillard can show them something in camp, that's going to be something because I'm not going to say he's going to start for the Philadelphia Eagles, but it'd be a nice trade bait for somebody couple of minutes left before we wrap it up here on Birds 365. Jeff Kerr doing great work for us and also a national correspondent for CBS Sports. So he not only covers the Birds, he also covers the entire National Football League. Last thought I want to get from you is the inconsistency so far of Jalen Hurts. Is it a big deal? Perhaps not. If we put everything into context, Jeff, 
he only started the last four games a year ago. He did not get drafted and come into this football team with the expectation that he was going to start right away, lead this team to a conference championship right away, lead this team maybe eventually to a Super Bowl right away. Yet he is our starting quarterback, at least for now. Your thoughts? Yeah, and I got to defend Jalen Hurts on this too. Probably going in the camp, he didn't even know if he was going to be a starting quarterback, even though he was a starter because of Deshaun Watson. The first time we mentioned him today, which is good. But I will say this with Jalen Hurts. Nothing's going to phase this guy. This guy sees an opportunity. He's just like his head coach. He sees an opportunity, and he's going to take full advantage of it. I'm not worried about the accuracy issues as everybody else is. I want to see what Nick Sirianni sees. They're working on his feet. They're working on his progressions. They aren't going to mess with how he delivers the football. You know, they don't touch that. You know, quarterbacks are like pitchers. You don't mess with their delivery. You just don't. So they're going to work with the feet. They're going to work. And I will give Jalen Hurts some credit. He's staying inside the pocket. He's working on that part of his game. I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be the problem with this football team. I, I think there will be an accuracy at times. But unless you put Zach Hurts in the slot, their wide receiver issue are very concerning because no one stepped up. You know, you figure Travis Fulgham, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, um, Greg Ward, a- any of those guys, you know, Wes Watkins, Sean Hightower, you would think to yourself, one of those guys would step up, and none of them have yet. And it's early, I know that, but I don't have high expectations for J.J. Arteca Whiteside. John Hightower is a speedster. He's a fifth-round pick. Wes Watkins is a sixth-round pick. I'm not. You know, they are what they are. But Travis Fulgham, I saw some actual talent last year. And, again, I shouldn't expect much out of him here. Sixth-round pick of 2019 – but I thought he'd step up and take the reins while Jalen Rager is working through his stuff right now. Jalen Rager's the guy that can make this thing a lot better, make Jalen Hurts' life a lot easier, make the Eagles' offense's life a lot easier. We're going to see a lot of Miles Sanders getting the football, catching it, whatever. You know, Boston's got the same thing. I think we're going to see a lot underneath stuff this year for the Eagles to cover up a hole outside Devonta Smith that they really probably shouldn't have going into the year. We'll see if the offense can catch up to the defense this week at camp. Week two, day number five, begins today. Already getting set to get underway down at the Novacare Complex. Quick programming and uh, lineup for uh, all of our listeners on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, the middle with Aton Chander, Harry Mays, and of course Barrett Brooks coming up 11 to 1. 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. today, the National Football Show with Dan Cilio. And then later on tonight, John McMullen of birds or football 24 seven, rather uh, a complete look uh, at day number five. And of course, CBS correspondent uh, Jeff Kerr will be right back in the chair uh, tomorrow on birds 365 with Jody Mack. That's going to do it for our opening day today, uh, Monday week two, day five of Eagles camp until next time. See you everybody. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, Tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.